Um, as I got up this morning and, and started through kind of my, my normal Sunday routine of coming to church and to do that, and I sat down this morning in my devotions, and, and I literally wrote in my journal as I sat down with, with God's Word on my lap, and I just wrote, I'm like, Lord, this feels weird. But I realized that we have, again, not gathered physically for six weeks, and six weeks is long enough to create new habits. Right? And, and as, as I realized that, again, going through, but yet, as, as weird as it felt, I'd say, but it also feels fresh. Right? I just, there was a new excitement for me to come to church on a Sunday morning and to, to gather together and to worship and to, to preach to not an empty room. And, and, and you know, those kind of things, just, it, it's, it's a very exciting thing. But I think, I, I just bring it up to remind us of, of what in our lives, right, even in our faith, had become routine, right, that had become mundane, that, that, that maybe wasn't as special as it really was, because we just did it every week. I think as, as we think about that and realize that as we're, we're studying the Hall of Faith in Hebrews 11 and, and realizing for, for all of the people that are mentioned in this and all these biblical characters, their lives, again, were in certain routines and and things that they were used to, and then all of a sudden, God would show up and just turn everything upside down. Right? We saw that with Noah last week, as we, as we saw his, uh, you know, how God showed up and asked him to do some crazy stuff, like build a boat, right? And, and, and all of these things, and yet Noah just, he embraced it. Again, it was, as we continue through the study of the Hall of Faith in Hebrews chapters 11, and then we're going to conclude next week with chapter 12. We, we know that, again, Hebrews 11 and 12 is the climax of the letter in Hebrews. And yet the overall picture of Hebrews is, is that it, it, is, it gives an answer to the church that's in crisis. And again, through this season, we've certainly felt some crisis feelings. But as everything around us has changed and and now, even as we phase back in, things are continuing to change and things are different. And yet, the answer to any crisis we face, the answer that Hebrews gives us, is still the answer, right? The answer is Jesus. And Hebrews, the writer of Hebrews, tells us to dive deeper into our faith, no matter what you face. Again, chapter 11 in Hebrews is known as the hall of faith. It's, it's where we, we see uh, the, the, the writer takes us back through uh, remembering a bunch of, of these biblical um, figures and, and characters and stories and about how their faith, again, was used by God through, through incredible ways to alter God's story and our story. Right? And then we see in Hebrews chapter 12 that the second chapter of the climax it, it becomes a call to action for every believer to truly live out our faith, no matter what we face. And as we, as we jump in today and kind of get in this, I want to start again with the biblical definition of faith given to us in Hebrews 11.1. 1. Right, where it says, faith shows the reality of what we hope for, and it is the evidence of things we cannot see. And we see this biblical definition of faith given us at the beginning of Hebrews 11, 1, and then, and then we, we dive into all of these stories as, as we dive deeper into this definition of what faith really is and how we live that faith out on a daily basis, no matter what God calls us to do. And, you know, that's the thing that all of these people 
that are in the hall of faith have in common. Are their stories different? Yes, the callings that got put on their life was, was different. They lived in different times, different contexts, different challenges in their life and in their faith. And yet the thing that is the same for all of them is that they lived out their faith and did exactly what God asked them to do. Okay, they put their faith into action. Right? And, and they, uh, the way they lived it out was a way that, that again, was, was worthy of being inducted into the hall of faith. And as we study their lives, I, I just a challenge for us is saying, is my faith at that same place? Am, am I living out my faith in such a way that I am a hall of faith contender? Right? Will God induct me into the hall of faith? Right? Will I hear those words that we all long to hear? Every believer as we stand face to face with God you know, in heaven whenever that happens and to hear those words, well done, my good and faithful servant. Right? Will my faith get me to that place? Right? I hope it will. I hope my faith will. I hope your faith will get you to that place. Again, as we continue to work through, like I said, last week we looked at Noah and, and how he lived out his faith in doing exactly what God asked him to do. And now this week, we're going to focus on the character of Joseph. Okay, we see, uh, um, as we look at kind of the structure of, the, of Hebrews 11 and just the different people that it addresses in, in, um, in Hebrews 11, 8 through 21, okay, this, this big section of the chapter, it references Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. Hey, now, this is a phrase that we see that, that, that follows through all of Scripture, and, but yet these are, again, Old Testament biblical characters. Hey, Abraham, um, whose son was Isaac, and Isaac's son was Jacob. And we see that the three of them are, that are kind of lumped together, right, of just, as we see, this was the start of that covenant relationship that God had with Israel. And again, it was, it was Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, these, these three generations of, of fathers and sons that started the nation of Israel. Okay, and then, so we have, again, verses 8 to 21, that references Abraham, Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. And then we have verse, verses 23 through 29 that all focuses on the story of Moses. Right? And, and, and how Moses went to, to Pharaoh and, and took Israel out of Egypt, and they, they went through the Red Sea and wandered in the desert, and and this time where then again God brings them into the promised land and ushers in this new season, again, of Israel's history. And, and so we have, again, Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. We have the references of Moses. Now, these are both huge players in the story of God's chosen people. And, and yet, there are several generations of this nation between Jacob and Moses. And when we look at uh, again, Hebrews 11, we have one verse that, that, that links these two big major players together. And the link between Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob and Moses is Joseph. So again, we have all these, these multiple big sections, right, to Abraham, Isaac, Jacob, to, to Moses, and yet there's one verse, right, in Hebrews 11 that links them together. And that is the story of Joseph. Again, we, we see that verse in Hebrews 11, verse 22. So again, if you have your Bible, open with me to Hebrews 11. Um, let's look at verse 22. And this is the one verse that references Joseph. And it says, it was by faith that Joseph, when he was about to die, said confidently that the people of Israel would leave Egypt. 
He even commanded them to take his bones with them when they left. Here, so we have this one verse, again, of the faith of Joseph that links Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob to Moses, and then we go into this next section. Now, again, we know that these are, are both major phases of God's plan, and then we have Joseph here that represents this one verse in Hebrews 11 and several generations. But the truth is that Joseph is the reason that the Hebrews were in Egypt in the first place. If it wasn't for Joseph and for his life and for his faith, right, they would, the Israelites would have never been in Egypt. Right? And then being in Egypt is what sets up the story of Moses and of the Exodus. So we're going to look and, and kind of hone in this morning okay, on the life of Joseph. Okay, we see in, in, in this verse in Hebrews 11.22, okay, we, we see that, that, again, Joseph is, is, is in Egypt. He's the reason that, that Israel goes to Egypt. And then, but yet he has full faith in knowing that they are going to be taken out of Egypt at some point. Right, and says, hey, and I want to be with God and with his presence and with his chosen people. And so take my remains with you when you leave. Now, um, so who is Joseph? What's his story? Okay, his story um, starts, again, he was one of the sons of Jacob. In fact, it was Jacob's 12 kids that make up the 12 tribes of Israel. Okay, now, so who are these 12 kids? Jacob, again, has 12 different kids from four different women, okay, who eventually end up becoming the 12 tribes of Israel. And Joseph is kid number 11. And, um, but yet Joseph, again, was the firstborn of Jacob's favorite wife. Hey, now, again, I know we deal with blended families a lot in our culture, but can you imagine what this family was like? Right? Twelve boys from four different women, right? And, and yet um, they all are, are, are interacting with each other and moving through, and, and yet then there is a favorite wife, right, and, and a favorite son, and that favorite son is Joseph. And so there we enter then into Joseph's story, and we're going to look at his story, uh, and we find his story, um, and it starts for us in Genesis chapter 37. So if you Again, taking your Bible, flip with me from Hebrews, clear to the other side, uh, the other end, the very beginning of the Bible. We're going to start uh, looking at Joseph's story in Genesis chapter 37, uh, starting at verse 1. So if you have your Bible with you, please open with me. Again, you'll notice the page numbers where you can find this passage in the, the Bibles that are provided for you in the seats, if you're using one of those. If you have your own Bible with you or worshiping with us online, open up your Bible to Genesis 37. We're going to start at verse 1. It, where it says, So Jacob settled in the land of Canaan, where his father had lived as a foreigner. This is the account of Jacob and his family. And when Joseph was 17 years old, he often tended his father's flocks. He worked for his half-brothers, the sons of his father's wives, Bilhah and Zilpah. But Joseph reported to his father some of the bad things his brothers were doing. Jacob loved Joseph more than any of his other children, because Joseph had been born to him in his old age. So one day, Jacob had a special gift made for Joseph, a beautiful robe. But his brothers hated Joseph because their father loved him more than the rest of them. They couldn't say a kind word to him. And one night, Joseph had a dream, and when he told his brothers about it, they hated him more than ever. 
Listen to this dream, he said. We were out in the field tying up bundles of grain. And suddenly my bundle stood up and your bundles all gathered around and bowed low before mine. His brothers responded, so you think you will be our king, do you? Do you actually think you will reign over us? And they hated him all the more because of his dreams and the way he talked about them. Soon Joseph had another dream, and again, he told his brothers about it. Listen, I have had another dream, he said. The sun, moon, and 11 stars bowed low before me. And this time he told the dream to his father as well as to his brothers, but his father scolded him. What kind of dream is that, he asked. Will your mother and I and your brothers actually come and bow to the ground before you? But while his brothers were jealous of Joseph, his, father's, his father wondered what the dreams meant. Okay, so as, again, this is the setup of Joseph's story. And we are, this is where we first introduced to him. Okay, we see, again, the dynamics of this family were not healthy in many ways. Okay, and yet Joseph, who likely most scholars believe was probably about 17 years old at this point, Joseph, um, again, gets this, this revelation from God about his life, about his family's life, right? and, and he, he gives him this story and, 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 again, shows him kind of where his life is headed. But the thing that God didn't give Joseph was the timeline. I mean, God gave him a glimpse of, of the calling on his life and, and what was going to happen, but yet, again, God didn't tell him when this was going to happen. Right? And as we can all kind of read this, and we're kind of like, oh, Joseph, don't do that. Oh, that's not a good idea. Don't tell him that, Joseph. Right? Because the truth is that Joseph did not handle this well. I mean, he was already in this, this kind of place of privilege with his dad. And, and again, his dad was feeding the dysfunction. I mean, he gave, you know, Joseph, he was very upfront with it. This was his favorite kid, and he gave him special gifts, right? The coat of many colors, right? And just, just kind of marked Joseph, right, to, uh, to not just his brothers, but to everybody else, and saying, this is, this is the, the pride of my life, right? I love this son more. And, and so again, Jacob didn't handle it well, but Joseph handled it worse. Again, notice here, as Joseph handles this, that Joseph doesn't handle it well. And in fact, where's his focus as he deals with all this? His focus is on himself. His focus is on the fact that they're bowing down to him. In fact, Joseph never mentions God at all in any of these dreams or in in any of these plans. Again, we see some of the, the immaturity of Joseph right, as we are introduced to him. And then his story continues on, and again, his story continues for several chapters, okay? And so just in the respect of time today, I'm going to summarize most of the story, but again, I encourage you to go back to read all of the text yourself uh, out, out, out of your Bible, and again, that's something you can do this next week, but uh, we see from Genesis 37, 12 through, through verse 36, okay, Joseph experiences the opposite of what he expected. He expected his brothers to be as excited as he was about these dreams, and shocker, they weren't. Right? In fact, um, these dreams made his brothers mad. Now, Joseph goes out to check on his brothers in the field. Right? As we already know, he's really going to be able to tattle on them, right? and Jacob keeps setting him up for this situation. Okay, J- Joseph goes out to check on his brothers, and they, they see him coming, and they decide to take their Joseph problem and to solve it once and for all. And so um, they attack him, 
they take his coat and they throw him in this big pit or the cistern to try to decide what they're going to do with him. Okay, then his brothers, again, were not at all united in their feelings, however, but they all wanted Joseph gone. They agreed on that. Right? Some of them wanted to, to actually kill him. Others of the brothers didn't. So what they ended up doing is they sell Joseph as a slave. They figure, hey, we, this is, everybody wins, right? We can, we can make a little profit. We can get Joseph out of our lives. Um, and they, they took Joseph's coat and they ripped it up and they spilled some blood on it and told their dad that he was killed by a wild animal. So now Joseph is out of their life. Okay, their problems are over, they think. Now we're going to pick up the story in Genesis chapter 39, okay, verses 1 through 9. So Genesis 39, starting picking up at verse 1. It says, So when Joseph then was taken to Egypt by the Ishmaelite traders, and he was purchased by Potiphar, an Egyptian officer. Potiphar was captain of the guard for Pharaoh and the king of Egypt. The Lord was with Joseph, and he succeeded in everything he did as he served in the home of his Egyptian master. Potiphar noticed this and realized that the Lord was with Joseph, giving him success in everything that he did. And this pleased Potiphar, so he soon made Joseph his personal attendant. He put him in charge of his entire household and everything that he owned. From the day that Joseph was put in charge of his master's household and property, the Lord began to bless Potiphar's household for Joseph's sake. All his household affairs ran smoothly and his crops and livestock flourished. So Potiphar gave Joseph complete administrative responsibility over everything he owned. And with Joseph there, he didn't worry about a thing except what kind of food to eat. Joseph was a very handsome and well-built young man, and Potiphar's wife soon began to look at him lustfully. Come and sleep with me, she demanded. But Joseph refused. Look, he told her, my master trusts me with everything in his entire household. No, no one here has more authority than I do. He has held back nothing from me except you, because you are his wife. How could I do such a wicked thing? It would be a great sin against God. You know, I, I, I paused and wanted to read this text, okay, because this text is a key turning point in Joseph's life. Okay, you notice again, he's, he's attacked, he's sold, he gets bought, he goes into to Potiphar's house, and then notice, though, even this last thing, he's, I mean, God blesses him, Right? He, 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 he rises to the ranks, he gets all of his authority and this position, and then he, he's propositioned, and, and, but yet he stays righteous, he stays focused on God. And, and even notice, again, that Joseph's quote here at the end of this, right, is that it would be a sin against God. Remember, what got Joseph into this situation in the first place was that his focus was in the wrong place. He never mentioned God, right, in his dreams or in his interpretations with his brothers or any of these things. And, and here, right, he, he very specifically mentions God. And from this point on in Joseph's life, Joseph mentions God a lot. And it was the proverbial rock bottom that Joseph hit that changed the priorities of his life. It changed his focus, right? And it put his faith in the right place. Okay, now the, again, the story continues on from here, okay, and um, into, in Genesis 39, verses 10, uh, all the way to 45, verse 15, okay, when Joseph gets wrongfully accused by Potiphar's wife, and then he gets thrown into jail. While in jail, God blesses him there, and literally, Joseph ends up second in charge of running the jail. Okay, and then while in jail, Joseph interprets some dreams, and through God's help, 
And then word spreads about this Hebrew that God blesses and that blesses everything that he's involved in. And Joseph ends up interpreting a dream for Pharaoh himself. And, And this dream told of a coming famine. And so Pharaoh brings Joseph out of jail and God continues to bless him. And Joseph ends up being the second in command of all of Egypt. And as God continues to bless Joseph, And through Joseph's wise leadership, Egypt becomes the only place that has food during this horrible famine. And during this time, this this struggle on worldwide proportion, his brothers end up coming to Egypt to get food. And Joseph messes with his brothers for a little while when they show up. He recognizes them right away, and and he kind of messes with them. Um, But this is literally when his original dream finally comes true. Now, as we realize this, right, eventually Joseph reveals his true identity to them. And then we end up at Genesis chapter 45, verses 16 through 21. Okay, Genesis 45, uh, I'm going to read verses 16 through 21. Okay, where it says, the news soon reached Pharaoh's palace and Joseph's brothers have arrived. Pharaoh and his officials were all delighted to hear this. And Pharaoh said to Joseph, tell your brothers, this is what you must do. Load your pack animals and hurry back to the land of Canaan. Then get your father and all of your families and return here to me. I will give you the very best land in Egypt and you will eat from the best that the land produces. And then Pharaoh said to Joseph, tell your brothers, Take wagons from the land of Egypt to carry your little children and your wives and bring your father here. Don't worry about your personal belongings for the best of all of the land of Egypt is yours. And so this dream again comes true, right? All of, again, the the nation of Israel ends up in Egypt and then for several generations, they thrive in Egypt. But the longer they're there, the, the leadership changes Things focus, and and eventually Israel ends up as slaves in Egypt, right? Which is then when God raises up Moses. So as we see this this whole story, okay, in fact, the rest of Genesis, um, God blesses the Israelite nation in Egypt, and the book of Genesis ends with Joseph's story. The book of Genesis ends with Joseph's death. So what do we learn from Joseph? Why do, we, why do we bring up Joseph? Why are we focusing on Joseph today when he only gets one verse in the Hall of Faith? But yet yeah, this is why we are, are, are focusing on Joseph because there are some major lessons that we can learn from the life of Joseph. The, the, the first one is this, okay, is that Joseph understood the what of God's plan, but not the when. Again, in those original dreams, he understood what God was going to do. He he got the interpretation absolutely correct, but he got the timing all wrong. Again, had he understood, right, that that God wasn't giving that to him right away. I mean, I think that that's likely what Joseph thought, right? That's why he went right into his brothers. like, hey, guys, this is going to happen. And they're like, no, it's not. Right, again, even his dad was like, Joseph, I, like, I, again, as it says, like, I, I don't question the dream, but, but I, it seems very far-fetched. The, the timeline between the original dream and when it comes true is 13 years. 13 years. He got the what correct, but 
he missed the when by 13 years. Right? We, we see, we understand that God's timing is incredibly important. Right? God's hand is in all kinds of things. In Ecclesiastes 3.1, it says, For everything there is a season, a time for every activity under heaven. Everything has a season. Right? And so again, what, what's, the, what's the principle that we learn from this, this part of Joseph's life? Right? We learn that even the right action in the wrong timing will still give us the wrong result. Okay, the right action if it's done in the wrong timing, still gives us the wrong result. Again, Joseph learned this the hard way, didn't he? He got what was absolutely correct, but since he got the timeline wrong, he ended up being sold into slavery. Now again, God used that for his glory, right? But again, the right action in the wrong timing will still give us the wrong result. The, the next thing we learn from Joseph's life is that, that Joseph was wronged by lots of people, but he didn't let it affect his faith. Okay, he was wronged by all kinds of people. We follow through his story. Right? I mean, he, he, was, he was betrayed. He was wrongfully accused. He was attacked for no reason. He, he, was, he was ignored. He, he, was, there, he was made promises that the people didn't hold up on. I mean, there, there was... I mean, the list is long through all of these different phases that God took him through about how he, he was wrong. And yet, again, what, what's the principle that we learn from that? Right? The principle we learn is, is where is our faith focused? Just as we see, right, there was this pivot point in his life. After the first time that he was wronged by his brothers, right, became the rock bottom for him and where he pivoted to where... God became the true focus of his life from that point on, right? And he continued to be wronged after that, right? But it never affected his faith. And thinking about this concept, again, how does this apply to us? When you think about our lives, right? And even think about church. And again, through this, this last season, this pandemic of time, right? We've all looked at church a very different way than we did six weeks ago. And yet, we need to understand that our faith cannot be in church. Our faith has to be in God. Our faith cannot be in any person other than Jesus. And as I'm thinking about this concept and this lesson from Joseph's life, this statement becomes so incredibly accurate. If being hurt by the church causes you to lose faith in God, then your faith was in people, not in God. Because the, the truth is, there is no perfect church. There is no perfect pastor. There is no perfect Christian. Right? The church is made up of humans, which means it's flawed. You will be let down by the church. I guarantee it. Again, that's not our, my intention, but you're going to be let down by the church. You're going to be let down by me as your pastor. Again, not my intention, but I'm human. I'm flawed. It's going to happen. You, and again, I don't want to do that. I try very hard to make sure that I don't do that. Right? But yet, I'm not God. Right? And my journey isn't over either. Right? And yours isn't either. And, and again, I just, we have to make sure 
that what we learn from Joseph, right, is that our faith is in God and God alone. It is not in a church. It is not in an organization. It is not in a person, right, unless that person is Jesus Christ. Our faith has to be in God and God alone. Don't put your faith in me as your pastor. Don't put your faith in any human. Don't put your faith in Oregon Trail or in any church. Put your faith in Jesus. Because God is perfect. He is holy and he is the only thing worthy of our faith. And Jesus Christ, again, is the true destination of our journey. Again, Joseph was wronged by lots of people, but, but God used those situations for his glory. Again, Jesus tells us the truth. We're going to be we're going to have disappointing times, right? We're going to be upset, right? Things aren't going to go the way we think, right? Jesus tells us in John 16, I've told you all this so you may have peace in me because here on earth you will have many trials and sorrows. We know that part, don't we? But take heart because I have overcome the world. Again, our faith has to be in God, period. But the next lesson that we learn from Joseph's life is that Joseph's success followed character development. His character had to be developed, right, in order for him to be successful. Right, how much character development did Joseph go through? 13 years worth. 13 years of character development led to where that initial dream finally came true. Again, after that initial dream, he never took credit for himself again after his brother sold him. Right? He always pointed to God. Again, and the truth is that Joseph had the chance to fail in every category of scandal we have ever heard hit the news lines. Right? He had the opportunity to fail many, many times, but he never faltered from his faith. Hey, we see in 1 Samuel 16, 7, and it says, the Lord doesn't see the things the way we see them. People judge by outward appearance, but the Lord looks at the heart, right? And God saw something in Joseph's heart that was worth investing in, right? And God saw that he could use Joseph. Now, again, was Joseph at the place that God needed him to be in order to fulfill those dreams? No, right? He had 13 years of character development to get him to that place, right? But he kept journeying. He kept moving forward. He continued to respond to the character development that God brought him. Again, because the truth is that God transforms us as we journey forward in our faith. But we need to be faithful to what God's put in front of us at every stage of our journey so we can continue to grow and be, continue to be ready for whatever the next phase of God's plan for us is. Again, as I mentioned before, right, we all long to hear these words from Matthew 25, 23, the master said, well done, my good and faithful servant. But again, how do we get to that place? Right? It tells us how to get there. He says, be faithful in handling the small amount, so now I will give you many more responsibilities, so let's celebrate together. How do we get to where we get more? We have to be faithful with what's in front of us right now. Right? And that is a test of our faith, and that's the test that Joseph passed time after time again. Right? And God gave him more. Again, Joseph, Joseph's character was developed over and over and over again through these different phases of his story. And, and, and then the, the truth is, though, no matter what phase he was in, 
right, is that Joseph found success in whatever environment he was put in. Whether it was Potiphar's house or whether it was the jail or whether it was Pharaoh's palace, right, Joseph found success in whatever environment he was put in. And you know what? Sometimes we can sit back and look at our lives and be like, you know, if I only had that job, if I was planted in a different place, if I was at a different church, if I was in whatever, I, I would thrive, right? But the truth is we need to be able to thrive wherever we are. In whatever season God puts you in, God is setting you up to thrive. If you are faithful to that season and faithful to that place and faithful to that role, because the truth is, right, that our environment is not um, dictating what our lives are going to be. Our God is dictating what our lives are going to be. And our faith will dictate where our lives are going to go. Joseph bloomed where he was planted. Right? And, and as he passed each test, then God put him into a bigger level of responsibility. Right, to the, literally the place where he was running a country. But he found success in whatever environment he was put in. Right, in Romans 8.28, it says, And we know that God causes everything to work together for the good of those who love God and are called according to his purpose for them. God will use every season of your life, every opportunity that is put in front of you, all of that, God is working to mold you and transform you into exactly what he needs you to be to fulfill 100% the calling he's put on your life. But we have to be faithful in the season we're in right, and continue to grow so that God can use it. And then the last thing I want to point out this morning that we learn from Joseph's life, and that is that God's plan was way bigger than even Joseph knew. Right, he got that dream. He goes to his brothers. He's like, right? I, I mean, the, he thought the point of the dream was that his brothers would bow down to him. Right, again, at that point, that, that first time he goes to them, it was all about his own ego, right? And it was just about them bowing to him. That's all that, that he focused on. But guess what? He had no idea that he, that was going to happen because he was literally running a country that was going to save millions of people, potentially, through all of these different places because of Joseph's wisdom and leadership, because Egypt had Right? God used Joseph, not just in that situation, but, but God used Joseph as, as this major player in God's plan of redemption. Right? And, and for his, an entire nation of God's chosen people. And like I said, Joseph's life sets up the story of Moses without Joseph. Right? Moses could have never taken the reign of leadership. Right? God's plan for Joseph was way bigger than Joseph ever imagined. We see in Isaiah 55, verses 8 and 9, it says, My thoughts are nothing like your thoughts, says the Lord, and my ways are far beyond anything you could imagine. For just as the, the heavens are higher than the earth, so my ways are higher than your ways, and my thoughts are higher than your thoughts. You know what? This means that God is doing things that he hasn't even told us he's doing yet. Right? Because God made us. He knows our hearts. He knows our minds. He knows our faults. He knows our strengths. And he knows that we, guess what? We can't handle that kind of information. Right? And so God, we are on a need-to-know basis with God, right? And God tells us exactly what we need to know when we need to know it. And God, God sees a picture way bigger than we can see. 
And so as we, we realize all this, these lessons again that, that we learn from Joseph, and then the question then is saying, is my faith going to be like Joseph? Right? What, what does God see in me that I don't see in myself? Right? What does God put in front of me right now that I need to be faithful to? Right? And that I need to, to, to follow through with? And all this brings me to my final thought this morning, and that is this. That no matter how much of the picture you see or how rough your current season is, be faithful and grow and trust the journey. Okay, because God sees the whole picture, God is in control, and God is at work. So is your faith firmly and only in God? Because the truth is only God can save you. Right? Only God is holy. Right? And, and, and we need to follow a God that will not let us down. And we do that by receiving him as our savior, right? Because again, he can save us. I can have you accepted Christ as your savior. That's where you join the journey. I believe that he was here, that he died on a cross. He rose again on the third day and received his grace and forgiveness. Right? And that then we continue in that journey every day, right? As we continue to be transformed by his spirit, as we move forward in our faith. Lord God, we believe in you. Lord, we, we put our faith in you and you alone. And God, I thank you, Lord, that you direct our faith. God, that you continue to transform us, Lord, and, and develop us into everything you need us to be, Lord, to fulfill the purpose and plan you have for us. God, I pray, Lord, that no matter where our faith is today, God, that we would move closer to you. God, for anybody who hasn't received you as their Savior, Lord, I pray that you would continue to pursue their hearts, Lord, help them to open their mind and their heart to you, Lord, that they can pray and accept you as their Savior and start their journey. Lord, I pray, Lord, for, for all those that do know you, Lord, that we would be faithful to what's in front of us, that we would continue our faith journey, Lord, to be transformed by you and that we would completely fulfill everything you need us to do because, Lord, we know that your plan's way bigger than we can see. And we praise you for that. And God, I pray that you would continue to guide us Lord, as we go this week, as we shine your light in this world, Lord, as we are sure of what we hope for and are certain of what we cannot see, Lord, that we are going to live out our faith no matter what we face, no matter what comes our way, Lord, we have a hope in you and we praise you for that today. Lord, guide us as we go. We love you. We praise you. We thank you for all you do. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. Amen.